0: Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're gonna be narrating three new unsettling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. This story starts back in 2017 when my boyfriend and I first started living together. Rent in our country has been really high for years, so after looking for a long while, we decided to emigrate. Our college is very close to the border between our home country and the neighboring country, and in the neighboring country, the rents were way lower. After a few months of searching, we found an apartment. It used to be the old hay attic of a farm, but a rich couple, the landlords, turned the attic into an apartment years ago and turn the rest of the house into a home for themselves. We absolutely loved the place. We signed the rental agreement and moved in in September of 2017. At first, all was great. We liked our landlord and his wife, even though they were a bit eccentric. But after a while, things became less comfortable. The landlord would blast loud music at all hours of the night. If we asked him to fix something, he would show up at 2am to attempt to fix it. He constantly bragged about how he kicked out the previous tenants after they told him that the rent was too high. When rats had infested our roof and created holes that went straight outside, he'd use expanding foam to kill them, trapping the rats in the process, which led to them dying and decomposing in the ceiling. And most importantly, he would knock on our door for minutes on end, and if we didn't answer, he would stand underneath our window and yell our names like he knew we were there, but trying to ignore him. Once he even got into the apartment without permission. I got home from the gym that evening and happened to be sweaty as hell, so I walked straight into the bathroom, which was located on the left side of the entrance. When I came out wrapped in a towel, walking towards the living room, he suddenly came through the front door. I asked him what he was doing there, and he told me that he left his key in our house after a visit even though he used that very key to get inside. The last points finally clicked when we moved out. The landlord was about to move to Poland, and the new landlord was an absolute... So at that point, we decided that it was time to go. We told him about this, and he said, Well, can you return my camera then? We thought he was just joking, but after he left, we suddenly felt very weird about it. So we decided to check around. The apartment had a very high-pointed ceiling, so we had to use a ladder. But there, clear as day on the high horizontal beam, we found a small camera, pointed at our living room. I think I still have the video somewhere of my boyfriend cutting the wire. One of the creepiest and most off-putting things was that right after the wire was cut, we noticed that one of the Wi-Fi networks around us just disappeared. It was called Cam Network and it had been active during the entire time that we lived in this apartment. By the time we moved out, we had thought about pressing charges, but we knew that this man had a great lawyer, and he was also long gone by that point. I really do need to say, landlord, let's not meet ever again. The fact that we were likely recorded for our entire stay really rattles my soul, and not having any recourse only makes that feeling even more pronounced. Me and my boyfriend have friends around the area that have attempted to do what we did, find cheaper accommodation a country over. One couple that we know recently reached out our way because they were attempting to rent in a building that was managed by an individual that had the same name as our previous landlord. It's a fairly common name where we're from, but it still makes me wonder. Many years ago, I, 24 years old and male at the time, would hang out with a co-worker of mine most Friday nights at a bar and play some pool. I'm not very good at pool, but sometimes after I have a few drinks in me, I start to play well. My co-worker was pretty good though, so the nights that I was hot, we would often clean up and be playing for a while. The usual way pool works in a bar is you come up and put a quarter on the table to claim next game. The winner stays on the table, and the new group pays for that game. The table took four quarters to release the balls for the next game. If you keep winning, you stay on the table and don't pay. This particular bar had a main floor and a basement level, and the pool table was in the basement. On this night, it was pretty slow. We played a few games 1v1 between us since nobody else was around. Eventually, these two other guys came down and wanted to play. So we demolished them in what proceeded to be an uneventful game. But one of the guys seemed to get agitated when they lost, although he wanted to play again. We told them to pay for it, and we would definitely play again. And that's when this guy started arguing that he shouldn't have to pay, and that we should split it. We explained how it usually works, and he eventually reluctantly agreed. My co-worker and I then proceeded to kick their asses again. This made the guy mad mad. He began screaming at us, insulting us, just all around losing it. The two of us were both in decent shape at the time, so we didn't really feel threatened. And there was no way we were going to give up the table to these guys and just leave. But in hindsight, we should have just left. Miraculously, we actually managed to calm the guy down. He seemed susceptible to reason, maybe understood there was a protocol for playing. We cracked some self-deprecating jokes and eventually fell into a decent rapport with these two guys. They kept wanting to play. And we kept beating them, but they kept paying, and we were all joking around and doing some playful trash talking. Things like that. Then the guy who was angry earlier started to get a little too comfortable. He would come over and stand just a little bit too close to me. He started touching me, putting his hands on my shoulders. He kept talking about my shirt and how much he loved it. It was a boring plaid pattern green shirt, but he would not stop talking about it. At one point, he came up behind me while I was shooting and grabbed at the collar, pulled it away from me because he needed to know what size it was and wanted to see the tag. This was really starting to piss me off at this point. So my coworker and I eventually said we were going upstairs to get some beers and we just left. That Monday, I was back to work. I work in the TV industry and at the time I was working at a small local TV station. It was my first job out of college and I was working my way up. And at the time, I was doing a weekly rotation with two other people where we would cycle through different jobs in the control room. That week, I was the Chiron operator, which in case you don't know, is the machine that does live on-air graphics, the ones that come on the lower third of the screen or over the shoulder boxes, full screen pictures, things like that. I would come in, make the graphics, and then during the news, I would call them up and have everything ready when it needed to be aired. I had missed the morning meeting that day for some reason or another, so I didn't know what any of the stories were going to be about that day. One story was about a crime, so I opened the folder that a producer left mugshots in to get it ready for the Chiron. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. To my shock, there he was. That creep from the bar staring back at me through the screen. I couldn't open up the show rundown fast enough to see what he did. Apparently, the next night at that same bar, he had stabbed someone in the parking lot, allegedly over a fight regarding the pool table. The guy he stabbed lived, but whenever this story pops in my head, I always think about how my night would have ended if we didn't ride the fine line between making this guy too angry or letting him get too friendly. After my second year in college, I booked an Airbnb for a close friend and I that we had been eyeing for a while. It was an off-grid yurt, not a typical stay for me by any means. The yurt was situated on a dirt road ten minutes from the main road. To get there, it was less of an address and more of a turn right at the two tires stacked, continue for a mile, go north at the fork type situation. The first night was great. The next day, We explored around town, then returned to our yurt to hang out. I didn't see any neighbors, only homes in the far-off distance. So given the heat, I felt comfortable wandering topless around our yurt. When night came, I slept naked. We heard what we assumed to be a distant party early in the night. Loud music was traveling from far away. Sometime along the night, the music stopped and I fell asleep. A while later, my friend who was still awake heard two men's voices speaking in close proximity to each other. The voices started to get closer, and closer, until one began shushing the other, and they started talking in whispers. Suddenly, they stopped talking altogether, and walked directly up to our yurt, shining a flashlight against the walls. All our belongings were inside, but my car and our shoes very obviously two women's, were directly outside the yurt. They then turned the flashlight off. Up until this point, I had been asleep, but awake to what, in my mind, sounded like a stampeding herd of animals growing closer. I remember being in a half-dream, half-awake state, where I genuinely thought that there was a galloping animal charging our yurt. What my friend later shared with me was that she was pinching me as hard as she could, and that's how I finally woke up. I never felt the pinch, though. I remember gasping as I opened my eyes for some reason, as I was laying on my back in bed. My friend was laying on her side, facing me, and she immediately brought her finger to her mouth to shush me. I was now fully awake, but frozen because I had no idea what was going on. We couldn't talk because the desert air carried every sound, every creak of the bed, and I was trying hard to breathe calmly, Since I was on my back, it was difficult to face her without making a sound, so I had my head slightly turned to see what she was whispering. Every minute, the wind would pick up and all we could hear was the breeze. The next minute, complete silence except for their footsteps in the dirt, slowly walking around us. At one point, they stomped loudly all around our yurt, and I realized that must have been what I thought was stampeding animals. It got silent again. And just when we thought they must have left, we heard the faintest sound of footsteps encircling us. I'm a very shy, timid person, but my fight or flight kicked in as wanting to scream as loudly and as deeply as I could, What the f*** do you think you're doing? And then yell and fight and kick. My friend was the opposite and told me we needed to be absolutely silent. We were communicating on our notes app with the brightness turned all the way down. When it had been what felt like an eternity, she texted 911. The dispatcher was absolutely useless and wouldn't send someone out because we didn't have an address. We kept texting, telling them that we were on a dirt road and all we had were the directions that we sent them, and begged and begged for them to send someone out. We didn't want the men to know we were on a phone because the screen's brightness was still bright against the complete darkness, so we just gave up on texting. I hated myself for not wearing pajamas, for not having all my self-protection tools under my pillow, and instead in my bag on the floor. I remember completely accepting that I may get stabbed. I thought about what it would be like for my family to find out that I'm dead, and how sorry I felt to not explain. I remember in the middle of this eternal frozen state, I heard the zipper on the yurt rattling, and for the first time my friend and I broke the silence and yelled, NOW! As if to cue me leaping to my bag of self defense items by the door, pull my alarm, turn on my taser, and yell that 911 was on their way as my friend dialed them on speaker. I remember making ourselves as loud as we possibly could. I remember the distant siren approaching getting closer and closer. And I remember packing up my belongings quicker than I have ever packed in my entire life. When a police officer arrived, he waited as we packed up our bags into the car. He said we shouldn't be staying so far from the main road, and we just agreed. It was supposed to be a fun Airbnb, and yet it turned into anything but. As we were about to pack up our last thing, my friend noticed large footprints in the otherwise perfect sand around our tent. They were inches from the tent. Neither of us had walked up that close because to get that close, you had to step over a circle of rocks decorating the border of our yurt. We only entered through the front door zipper where the rocks ended. The officer didn't believe it wasn't ours, despite the significantly larger footprints. He said he had been patrolling the area with police dogs, and that that was what we must have heard. I hate that I second-guessed myself for the rest of the night, thinking we may have just scared ourselves over nothing. High on adrenaline, we made the drive home nonstop. We slept together at my house. I was shaking for the rest of the night and we both slept with stuffed animals, which at our age was very much out of the norm. In the morning, I walked her out to her car to say goodbye, but I froze when I got to my own car, because covering every inch were the largest, meatiest handprints in brown dirt. I consider my brother to be a big guy, and even his hands were smaller than the handprints on my car. I was so angry that the police officer didn't see that, but I was also glad that I had proof that someone else was there that night. I took so many pictures because I never wanted to forget the image of so many handprints as evidence. The most unsettling part was that my friend shared with me there had been many recent unsolved murders in Wonder Valley within the year before. That happened to be where we were visiting. When she got home, she researched to ease her mind what the area was like and found several articles of missing people minutes from our site. I recognized every road the articles mentioned as the roads leading to our yurt. I realize you may be thinking nothing horrendous happened to us, but I have never felt that deep-in-my-gut, subconscious, complete acceptance that I may end up dead as I did that night. It was an absolute gut feeling, and I don't know how else to describe it. I'm glad we made our way out of there. I hate that everyone we spoke to that night didn't believe us.